If you're like me, you care about getting the most from your workouts, which means wearing the finest performance gear. You know, fabric that dries quickly and has superior moisture wicking properties. Fabric so soft and comfortable, you could, well, curl up and sleep in it. Introducing Sheeks, spelled S-H-E-E-X, the world's first performance bedding line. Sheeks began when two former elite athletes and coaches had an aha moment, combining everything we love about quality performance fabric with everything we love about comfortable, irresistible bedding. Unlike traditional sheets that trap heat, sheets are breathable, so you aren't constantly waking up to throw off covers or add a blanket. So you sleep deeper, longer, and better. And sheets bedding looks as good as it feels. Colors and styles that can match any decor at a price that will pleasantly surprise you. And right now, you can try sheets for 30 nights risk-free. Just go to sleepcoolnow.com. Use promo code 1212 and get $40 off any sheet set. That's sleepcoolnow.com, promo code 1212. Sleepcoolnow.com, 1212. This is hour number two of the World According to Zig podcast for this January 6th. 2019. I am John Ziegler. I am the host of this show where you can still get the truth about the news of the day from a conservative perspective in this world turned upside down. In hour number two, generally we have a special guest and we've had a lot of really good ones, especially lately, some of which have actually made some major news uh, this week. I don't know if it'll make major news, but it's another great guest. Uh, we're joined by Brad Thor. He is a, a thriller novelist. He's written uh, 18 thriller novels. Most recently, he has written a book called Spy Master, and he's also a potential GOP presidential contender against uh, Donald Trump in the next uh, coming election cycle. And he joins us now. Brad, welcome to the podcast. It's good to be with you. Thanks, John. Brad, so much to talk about. Um, but let's get the uh, the presidential thing out of the way right off the bat. Uh, there's always been a lot of talk about whether or not somebody may take on Donald Trump uh, from a Republican perspective. It doesn't appear as if that is uh, likely to be successful by anybody, but uh, you threw your name into the, into the hat a while back. Well, what's the status of, the, of that possibility? Well, the very short bottom line is no, I'm not. Um, and that was the height of my frustration when Trump uh, signed that terrible budget. Uh, I'm not a Republican anymore. And so my desire was uh, to actually get into the primaries to be able to debate him, even on basic civics, which he doesn't know anything about, um, and really show him for for the, the poor leader, the poor deal maker that he is. Uh, and it, it was just the, the height of my frustration. So bottom line is no, I'm not running against him, and I'm not a Republican anymore, so I wouldn't be able to get into the Republican Party because I've left the Republican Party. What, what made you decide... Conservative, yes. Republican, no. Well, I, I'm right there with you, but uh, what made you decide to, to not go down that path? Uh, what, to, to go down the primary path? Yeah. I mean, what, what changed your mind, or you, what made you decide that was not a good idea? Well, the big thing is, is that I would have to be in the Republican party to be able to get into the primaries to primary him. And uh, and I just had it with the party. So I don't want anything to do with the Republican Party anymore. And I'm not. So I'm out. Um, and listen, I think that things are going to get much, much 
much worse before they get any better. And uh, I have no desire to save the Republican Party from itself. I think they deserve all that eventually is going to come for them, because this bill is going to come due. I heard somebody use the term banana Republicans, the fact that they'll back this president without, you know, the only people that criticize them are guys that are leaving office, like Flake and Corker mm-hmm. and, and things like that. So it, it's a very bad thing for our republic when Co-equal branches of government don't stand up, and it's also a bad thing when you have a leader who desires to be in the headlines every single day. I'm wiped out, John. Yeah. I am very fatigued, and I'm tired of hearing about Trump, and I'd like to not hear about him for you know a good 48 hours, but we couldn't <laughs> even do that over Christmas. Yeah, good luck with that. Um, so was there a, a breaking point for you when, uh, when you said, hey, look, I don't even want to try to save the Republican Party? Do you remember if there was a breaking point, what that was? No, I had been talking to some people about what would be involved with, with, you know, putting together an exploratory committee and filing the paperwork and all that kind of stuff. And you know what? I'm a thriller author. I've done some interesting things, but I don't have a background in government. And I think well, that, that's, you know, that's, that's, that's no longer a prerequisite, Brad. <laughs> well, it, 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 in my book, I think it should be. I think if anything else, we've learned that Trump really believes that he's the reality star uh, everything that was done in The Apprentice, he thinks that's who he is. He actually thinks he's a world-class dealmaker. He isn't. He he actually quotes himself, by the way, when he says that, when he says, you know, the press has said I'm a world-class dealmaker. That's actually a Donald Trump quote that he said in an article that he refers back to that to say that the press says that about him. He's a lousy dealmaker. Nobody vilifies the other side the way Trump does. Look, I mean, look at the shutdown. We're going into the third week of the shutdown, and he's left the Democrats with no room to move here. You don't constantly vilify the people you need to work with and expect to cut good deals with them. Uh, and he's not a very good leader. You can't run, somebody once said, you can't run the United States like it's a family grocery store, that the guy who owns the grocery store gets to call all the shots. That's not how this works. And, you know, my, we are more divided than ever. We see the stock market wobbling and going up, going down. Uh, we get great unemployment numbers. There's people coming back into the marketplace. There's lots of good things that are happening, but that doesn't mean that we ignore them uh, or that we ignore the bad things that these things are coming at the expense of it is a you need to look at the whole ledger not just the stuff on the ledger that you like but brad you're, you're forgetting a very important thing which is with me it's just works you know it's magic yeah it's magic it, it, it'll all it'll all work out uh, in the end clearly <laughs> Um, He's so full of shit, John. I mean, it really is. It is amazing how full of it that guy is. And uh, as we're talking, uh, you and I right now, the news at the end of uh, at the end of the week and over the weekend was that the Mueller grand jury got renewed for another six months. So Rudy Giuliani and all the other bullshit artists that flitter around Trump trying to tell people that a report's coming in February, that things wrapping up, he wouldn't need a six month extension uh, if things were that close to being done. And that's that's another big concern. The fact that you know, people keep saying, oh, well, if there was something, Mueller would have found it by now. You know, All these people that think they know what's going on inside the Mueller investigation are just real, real hot air merchants. They, they have no idea what's going on in there. And the longer he takes, I think the more worried the Trump world should be. Because he's, if he's not finding stuff, he would have wrapped it up. But if he's finding stuff, that's a pretty big deal. And I think as a nation, we need to be concerned, too, because I don't think we have even scratched the surface on whether Trump cooperated with the Russians or not. I, I, I'm, I'm, I am equally concerned with what the Russians attempted to do. And I think that's a big, bad deal. The Russians are 
bad. The government of Russia is bad. They are not our friends. And I think we're going to learn some very, very disturbing things beyond what we already know about Russia. I want to talk to you more about Russia because, oddly enough, because you're a spy novelist, and I think you have an interesting perspective on on what potentially would be a narrative that makes sense there. But before we get too deeply into Russia, I just want to ask one more question on, on the issue of uh, of someone running against Donald Trump on the Republican side. Uh, there's already been murmurs that South Carolina might cancel their primary, uh, which and is... they're trying to, yeah. They're would, trying to get the RNC to jigger rules. Yeah, that's a, that's a bad thing. That's why, when I say banana Republicans, that's what happens in dictatorships. That's what happens in banana republics, where you don't put anybody up against El Presidente, you know, or those people start disappearing or have, you know, slip in the tub mm-hmm. or take a bath with the toaster or have car accidents or their planes don't stay up in the air. It, it, the, the idea that somehow Trump can't serve, if Trump is so inevitable, how could a primary hurt him? You know, it, it, it really doesn't make any sense. But this idea that South Carolina is going to cancel their primary, uh, that's not good. That's not healthy. But that's what the Republican Party has become under Trump. Uh, they're going to go the way of the Whigs, and I will gladly pop the champagne and dance on their grave. I think the Republicans have been terrible stewards. Uh, it's been the only harbor for conservatism, but I think they've done an absolutely lousy job. They are big spenders. They only talk about fiscal restraint when they're out of power. They're, 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 they really have outlived their usefulness to this country, and I'd like to see them die the quickest death they can as a party, and I'd like to see term limits introduced uh, as soon as possible. But just on the issue of of specifically a a primary run against Trump, do you see anybody who uh, would even have a, a remotely legitimate chance actually taking this dive? Do you think that that is going to happen? I don't think so, because I think what you've seen from the polling is, you know, Trump's got that high 30s, 38, 39 percent, the base. They think this stuff is funny. They think this is great. And there is nothing he can do. I mean, when he said he could literally go out and shoot somebody on Fifth Avenue and wouldn't lose any votes, we all kind of rolled our eyes and went, wow, this guy really is a clown. He wasn't kidding. Right. His audience, his following is that cemented. Uh, so I don't know how, until Trump is no longer a candidate for office, I, I, I don't know how you can successfully primary him uh, and expect uh, expect to win in, in any primary, you, any state primary. So you, you can't, I, I don't know how it happens. No, you're 100% right, but, but it's an interesting dynamic to me in that uh, you, you have a situation where it's absolutely impossible, barring Robert Mueller having the, the largest smoking gun in history, uh, which I don't think is, is likely, uh, it is impossible for someone to beat Trump in a Republican primary. But we live in a world where winning is no longer uh, you, it always the only goal. Uh, someone could easily become famous because let's face it, the news media, the mainstream news media, will give a lot of oxygen to anybody who is semi-legitimate who decides to run against Trump in a Republican primary because it's a great story. Plus, there is enough, quote-unquote, never-Trump media to where they would get at least some semblance of traction, again, if they were somebody of a certain stature. So while there is zero chance of success, I would be stunned if someone didn't take that bait because it could be good for their own stature. What do you think of that theory? I don't know. 
I don't know. I don't know. You know, again, I'm, I'm thinking of everything on a ledger, and it, it would be bruising. I mean, you'd really take a ton uh, of hits from Trump. So Sure, but you would be on. famous. Like, John, I mean, I don't think Kasich's going to do it, because um, I think Kasich realizes— Did you know his dad was a mailman, John? John, I have heard that. Um, I, I, but I think, like for instance, Kasich. I think um, it would, you know, he would lose for sure, but his stature yeah. would increase, and he would be in an interesting position post Trump. Um, but again, Make a lot of money too. You got, you got to figure out the, 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 the you know, There's a very limited number of people that could even theoretically do this. It's not going to be Mitt Romney. Some people thought that that's what Romney was positioning himself for, and I, I just don't see that. Rom, I don't think Romney is nearly dumb enough, nor does he need it. He doesn't need the adulation. He's already run for president. He thought he was going to be president for about 36 hours uh, before the 2012 election, and you know that didn't happen, and it's certainly not going to happen in, in this way. But I, you know, I, I still think that there's a good chance somebody – gives it a shot because when you know we're living in a reality show era and frankly this this is part this is a plot twist that is demanded by you know yeah, the, the media critics four. and yeah it's Season four, somebody comes in. No, no. Well, actually, we're in season five. Let's be straight about that. Season one was well, the primaries. Yeah, count, season two, from season three, two was the general election. The and- yeah, we're in season yeah. five now, and and season five. <laughs> uh, and and by the way, I'm referring now to really season six. Season five is going to be uh, impeachment or not impeachment. Uh, that that will be season five, and then season six will be does someone run against Trump in the Republican primary after he's impeached but not removed? That's that's the way I see the reality show going. Um, so here's the deal. You, you actually planted a clue as to whether or not that's going to happen. And I think it is going to happen. As, as difficult as it would be, I agree with you, somebody's going to get a lot of oxygen. It's going to really help their name, rec- uh, their name ID. So if the Republicans weren't worried about that happening, they wouldn't be trying to shut off primaries right. in South Carolina. They wouldn't right. be trying to rewrite the rules nationally. So they're concerned about it, too. So I would say that the chance of it happening is very good. It's just who would that be? I don't know. Now, if Trump blows up, if he blows himself up, takes himself out of the running, or Mueller has something that's very damaging and he does get impeached, then it becomes a question of, are we really going to run Mike Pence? Because Mike Pence isn't going to win. So do we put together another ticket with like a Nikki Haley and Marco mm. Rubio? What does that look like uh, on, on I see, the I don't, I, 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 I'm not where you are on that because I just don't see the whole thing collapsing. Uh, because And mostly because I don't see Mueller with that uh, howitzer. In fact, I think my view, and this is where I, we'll get into this now more deeply, because uh, I'm fascinated to hear your views on this. But my basic take right now is that um, the expectations for Mueller are so insanely high, uh, especially among especially among the the liberal elite. I mean, the, the liberal elite has <laughs> have embraced Robert Mueller. That's I got to say. Well, I don't believe Trump did this on purpose. Uh, he, he is he is created a situation where liberals have embraced some really bizarre concepts like for instance that robert Mueller is the beacon of all truth and justice which is fantastic uh, i doubt they would they would have uh, taken that position if Mueller was investigating a, a hillary clinton presidency uh but 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 now that's where we are uh, by the way he's also gotten uh, democrats to be in favor of us staying in syria <laughs> which is weird uh because almost everything he does is inherently wrong and 
so therefore uh, liberals take the the opposite position. But here's on here's where I am on Mueller. I think expectations are everything in life, and uh, and I think that the expectations for what he has and the proof that he would have to back it up are insane. I think we're, people are living, and this gets to where you you know you're a spy thriller writer. I, I think people have watched too many movies. Uh, they think that uh, you know somehow Robert Mueller uh, has a cape on his back and an S on his chest, and that uh, he's going to be able to to prove things that are, that are simply not provable. And uh, that I think that while I think what's going to end up happening here right now, based upon what we currently know, and this could change, obviously, but I think we're going to get a very muddled mess. I think everyone's going to get what they want from from the end of the Mueller investigation. I think that there will be enough. Uh, uh, breadcrumbs there where people will be able to claim collusion and a whole bunch of crimes. Uh, but there will also be the ability uh, of the Trump people to say, see, uh, there was no proof of collusion. And I have to tell you, while I think that Donald Trump is a, is a dumb guy in a lot of ways, he is also a savant in some ways. And I believe that the most likely logical scenario right now is the reason why he has set the goalpost so clearly at collusion. I mean, he's made it very clear. That's the goalpost. Collusion, 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 witch hunt, witch hunt, witch hunt. The reason why he has set the goalpost at collusion is because he knows that while there's a whole bunch of really horrible other stuff, there isn't actually collusion. And that anything that falls short of collusion, therefore, will be a vindication for him. What do you make of that theory? I think it's a good. I think it's a good theory. I I, I do. I think what fascinates me the most about this is, uh, you know, it, it, Trump runs his empire almost like an organized crime family, right? Everything's Correct. about loyalty and the, the the way the money's moved Correct. around and stuff. And it's interesting once people start digging into the different tentacles, whether it's you know Trump University, whether it's the Trump Foundation, which was forced to shut down, and uh, Trump's kids were told they couldn't serve on boards of other uh, foundations or charities. It, it's interesting. Thing, that as you peel stuff away, when you get law enforcement to dig in, there is enough there to shut things down. Again, shut Trump University down, shut the Trump Foundation down, and there were some it's some some pretty unsavory things happening in the Trump Foundation, which you know for a charitable organization, uh, that, that's that really shows a a lack of a moral compass in that family, and that the shenanigans that were being pulled. At, at, uh, let's just focus on the foundation because the Trump University is you know a degree or two removed from Trump, but but the family foundation. And you look at that and that the state of New York took that away from them, shut that down, said there was a bunch of misappropriation of funds and all this kind of stuff. That, that's really a shitty thing to do, that you're, that you're supposed to be doing this for charities and you're buying portraits of yourself to hang in your golf clubs and things like that. That shows that at their core, the Trumps have a, a, a shaky moral compass at best. So <laughs> they've got to be concerned as Mueller digs in. Everybody that's been busted around Trump has been lying about Russia, whether it's Mike Flynn, whether it's Papadopoulos. So you've got to wonder what happens as they dig into Jared Kushner, uh, Don Jr. and his congressional testimony. Why all the lies from Russia? We even find out that Trump himself was lying during the primaries. I worked on Rick Perry's campaign during the primary season. And if we had been able to prove then that Trump actually had a letter of intent with Russia and was trying to offer Vladimir Putin the 
penthouse in Trump Tower, Moscow, I got to tell you, we would have worked very hard to use that as a cudgel against Trump. Now, whether it would have gone anywhere, I, I, I can't, it, nobody can say, but it would have been useful to have that information. He lied about the payoffs and the, the affairs while Melania, the, there's a lot of stuff about Trump's character, and you can say, oh, the voters didn't care. I care. And I know other people in this country care. And I think it would have been very embarrassing for Trump to have that continually beaten over his head with. And I think it would have made a difference. I think it could have dented him. I think it could have hurt him. And I think we could have had a more substantive, uh, substantive discussion as Americans as to, do we really want this guy at the helm uh, of our ship of state? And people say, Correct. oh, it was baked into his number. I actually don't think so. When you get into these details and show this guy lied about this, this guy lied about that, I think we could have shaken. I think we could have shaken the Trump campaign and done some damage. Oh, I agree with that, Brad. I I have actually written about this that um, that I, I believe that 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 if we had known a lot of what we now know, and I think the Trump Moscow project is a big piece of that puzzle. Had we known that at the time, uh, especially since he was blatantly lying about it, I, I think that Trump would have been defeated. People think, and it's 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 an, it's an interesting quirk about humanity. People. Have a, seem to have a very difficult time uh, remembering what they knew at the moment or what the reality was at the moment once that moment has passed. People forget, for instance, that Donald Trump was 2,000 votes from finishing third in Iowa. It's not as if he was an wow. instant juggernaut. I mean, he, he was very vulnerable, and I, I've, I've used the, the, the uh, metaphor of, of a rocket ship launching. I mean, w w before the rocket ship launched, and it took a while for it to launch, I mean, New Hampshire and South Carolina really were, were when the, it was in, into the stratosphere and, and couldn't be brought back down to Earth, uh, especially with the conservative media in the tank for, for commercial reasons. Uh, but uh, if if he had been attacked on this prior to that, I think he he might have blown up on on liftoff. But unfortunately, <laughs> uh, everybody like your you know like Rick Perry and and Jeb Bush and Marco Rubio and Ted Cruz, everyone thought he was going to combust on his own. So no one went after him, and, uh, and because everyone wanted his voters once the inevitable uh, destruction right. occurred. And so that was that was the fatal flaw of the of the primary. But but getting back to specifically what what did or did not happen with Russia, and and, and this is where your background, having written eighteen uh, uh, thriller novels. By the way, I, I'm curious if 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 the worst plausible Trump Russia scenarios have been brought to you, let's say before Donald Trump ran for president, and said, "Hey, what do you think about this idea for a spy thriller book?" Uh, what would would you have said? Is that is that plausible, or is that would that be too no. too too far no, too far afield? Listen, I would have been laughed out of my editor's office if I tried to bring this story in and say this is my my next novel. Uh, but you know what? I, I got to tell you, it's Jonah. My buddy Jonah Goldberg makes a lot of jokes about this being you know the the writers of this reality show, this timeline that we're all forced to live in, are some of the the, the most uh, the worst writers, and they have a perverse sense of humor. There's so much stuff, John. I have to tell you, my eyes have been opened. Uh, I really really didn't think that there were such deep veins of nationalism and populism on our side. I really did not think that. And it has been fascinating the amount of friendships I no longer have because right. of the positions some of my friends who I thought were yeah. allegedly conservative. Right. And now I find them deeper and I dare you, say you darker. Know, well, that, that's it, okay. stunning. Uh, let, let's talk about that for a second. Well, then we'll get back to Russia because I'm in the same boat, although, you know, as I as I reevaluate my conservative experience 
I, I'm not that shocked in retrospect because I have to tell you, there was always a thought in my head that I was amazed that conservatives did as well in national elections as they were doing. And what I mean by that is, wait a minute, there aren't that many small government, you know, freedom-loving uh, constitutionalists out there. They're just, they're, 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 that's not a 51% proposition. So how are we winning elections? Uh, this coalition doesn't make, it, and I felt this before Trump, our coalition doesn't make any sense to me. Uh, you see what I'm saying? Where, where there, there, there's something holding this together that doesn't fully make sense. And as it turned out, I got to tell you, and I never thought this was the case, some of that glue was racism. Some of that glue, yeah. so, some of that glue was pure hatred of Democrats, which I I can relate to. I can understand, even though some of my best friends are Democrats. Uh, but so- John, on that idea right there, the problem that I'm seeing with some of those friends that have that is now everything is about owning the libs in liberal years, oh. oh. and they are not. It's freaking grade ideas. school. It's grade school at best. Yeah, it's grade school at best, and we don't win if we're not winning on the battlefield of ideas. So just trying to hurt people, to insult people, that doesn't advance the cause of limited government, of individual responsibility, of constitutionalism. And I see this from people who I used to really respect, and I'm like, you're a flipping moron. Are you serious? That's all you exist for right now is to own the libs? Don't you care about advancing these principles, about safeguarding the republic? I- I'm stunned. It blows me away almost on a daily basis. And it- the racism, I used to think the left really overplayed the racial card. Me I too. really thought it was too I much. I did, too. I thought, okay, yeah. it's always going to be around because there's always going to be morons. Right. I had no idea there was as much of it. And I've apologized to a couple of lefty pals of mine to say, you know what? No, you weren't exaggerating. I didn't see it, but boy, have I seen it in the last couple of years, and it's terrible. No, there, it's very hard to argue with that now. And I, I was in that same boat. Well, this is, this is bull crap. You're, you're taking 1% or 2%. Of conservatives, and I don't know what the percentage is, and and let's be clear, it's not always quote you know to use a, a bad phrase black and white. I mean, I mean that as far as how clear it is, uh, mm-hmm, you know, th- there's shades of gray in the, in this realm. But I I think that racism plays a, a much larger role in why people vote against Democrats than I ever had previously anticipated, and I think Trump has proven that. Uh, however, I do think there's another element to this, <clears throat> Brad, though, that um, that a lot of people, they go where the wind blows and where the where the and, and the, let's face it, the popular position right now is whatever Trump is spouting because he's in charge and people want to be with the, the people who are in charge. I mean, that's just the mob mob mentality. I. And so I think, you know, I think the Tea Party, I mean, let's, it's amazing. The mo- one of the most underreported stories of this whole deal is how the Tea Party became populist nationalists. Because, I, and, and because these are the same people. They're the same people. Listen, I was it. A- I was a Tea Party guy. I had never gone to a protest in my life until uh, Obamacare. I had to go to a hippie website just to figure out how to make a protest sign. <laughs> Put one of those together. Right. Uh, it, it is, it, that, that to me is amazing. But you look at the caliber of people Trump is not able to recruit to the White House. And the fact that Mattis left. I mean, you know, God bless him. He hung in there as long as he could. And I, 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 it's, it, it is not. Uh, it, what, what was the line? Huntsman 
friend called Romney a well-oiled weather vane, or well-lubricated weather vane. So when you say people want to be near power and they're blowing in that direction, I agree with you. There's a lot of that going on, particularly in right-of-center media. People that I used to listen to on the radio that I thought were super principled, now it's all about defending Trump. And I You care to name any names, Brad? You care to name any names? No, no, no. There's some people I have a lot of respect for that have been very kind to me in my career, (laughs) and they have every right to... They have every right to make the decisions for their bottom line that they want to. And if, if their listeners or viewers stay with them while they go full in the tank for Trump and they don't see that this person has done a 180 from prior principles that they would shout from the rooftops, then that's really not the broadcaster's fault. That's the, that's the customer's fault. If they can't Thank you for a conservative term. actually standing and, and, and speaking for principles. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. There, there's some people I've been very disappointed in as well. I, I am curious. Again, we will get back to Russia, but you know, you're a guy who who sells uh, thriller novels. Uh, you you were a darling of the conservative media because you're the, the a rare conser- outspoken conservative who who is a popular writer. Uh, I'm curious, uh, has your ability to to get on shows been hindered by your views on Trump? I think so. I think there's one particular place uh, that doesn't want any Trump critics. I'm not going to name it, but it's funny because I was with another celebrity that also used to appear there, and he and I were having uh, drinks one night, and I said, I don't see you on there anymore. And he goes, Brad, I'm guessing it's the same reason I don't see you on there anymore. They don't want to hear people talk about character, about values, about true leadership, and if you're going to criticize Trump, they'd just rather not book you. So that that exists. I still Hmm. do do other shows. I wonder what outlet that Uh, is. Let me see. Um, survive it it's not possible and your kids die too <laughs> although in fairness Shep, Shep dropped. Right, right. in fairness though I, i'm referring to fox news channel but shepherd probably is the only place that might book you because uh, he, he doesn't seem to have drank the kool-aid um but obviously you're, you're referring to fox news channel i mean and so so did, was this a conscious did you know that this would be a price you would have to pay And, John, let's be clear. I still go on Fox. There are certain shows that I am not on that I used to do all the time, but there are still shows. Like, I'll be on Shannon Bream's show, Dana Perino's show. Um, So there are some of the hard news shows that are very fair and Mm -hmm. that still book me. So I don't don't have a problem with Fox. I don't want to paint this as a a problem with Fox. Fair enough. Fox News Channel. We report. You decide. Yeah, wait. Okay. Um, So... Right, so let's go back to to the Russian thing, because, again, I'm really interested in your view as somebody who, who writes uh, uh, thriller novels and uh, your most recent is Spymaster. And you've already said that the, the basic narrative, as some have theorized about it, would be laughed out of a out of, out of a pitch room uh, for your next book. I am somebody, uh, Brad, who who tries very, very hard in any uh, situation when I'm trying to figure out what did and did not happen. I always try to figure out a narrative that makes at least some sense throughout based upon everything we know for sure. Now, part of the problem in this situation is we're not 100% sure we know what we know for sure. Uh, There's always been – there's constant reports that I've been very skeptical of, like, for instance – you know, Michael Cohen went to Prague, was a, a big one a couple of weeks ago and during Christmas week, which I wrote a, a, a column very skeptical of that report that supposedly his cell phone, Clatchy, yeah. that his, his cell yep. phone had pinged off of a cell tower outside yep. of, out of Prague. Um, so I, I don't I don't believe that story. I don't know exactly for sure how that became 
published in McClatchy, but I don't believe that's true. I don't believe that, for instance, Paul Manafort met with Julian Assange. Uh, I think that story was was bullshit. Uh, uh, but so I'm curious: Have you been able to? And I have not been able to piece together a full narrative that makes sense based upon what we currently know because there's there's elements of this that push in both directions have you yeah. been able to have you been able in your mind as a as a thriller novelist have you been able to create a narrative that makes any sense based upon what we currently know yeah so there's a through line that i'm comfortable with that i think makes sense with with how trump has reacted to certain things around the world so i think that there is uh there was a story on i think it was janexo.com about somebody that had worked for a trump super PAC doing pr stuff and she said listen her job was to help Trump come in second. There's always been this, you know, the story that Trump didn't want to win, that mm-hmm. the night of the, of the returns, and they find out Melania's crying because he won, and it, 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 it sounds like it wasn't at tears of joy. But there's, there's always been this rumor out there that this was a brand-building exercise for Trump. He never thought he would win. He's getting all this, you know, I can buy that. I can time. buy that. I buy great, that. Okay. Great for the brand. I'm with you. So, then you look at how Trump makes his decisions, whether he's talking about Putin, whether he's talking about the Saudis. Saudis have been great customers of his, so have the Russians. I always thought that, that Trump really, once he won, he won. He won it fair and square, okay? Whether there were posts, idiotic posts that were, you know, manipulating dumb Americans uh, on Facebook, I don't believe that the Russians succeeded in changing any votes. Did they want Trump to win? Sure. They wanted him more than Hillary. Putin hated Hillary his guts. And he figured he'd have a better time with Trump. Now, when you go back to that old Golf Digest article, I believe it is, where Eric Trump said that with all the trouble they had with the money that the Russians had been a source, there's that old magazine article where allegedly he's quoted. If you look at it, it looks to me like, at least on his foreign policy stuff, Trump is making decisions not one based on what's good for the United States right now or going down the road, but what's good for Donald Trump. Mm -hmm. So I believe he'd like to have a great relationship with Putin when he becomes a businessman again. Same Mm -hmm. thing with the Saudis. Same thing in the Philippines and things like this. This is the problem of hiring somebody who is a business person, who Mm -hmm. does these licensing deals, because he doesn't build buildings. He puts his name on them. When he does these deals, he needs these relationships going forward. Um, And I think if you look at the Deutsche Bank, Deutsche Bank was the only company that would lend to him. And he owes hundreds of millions of dollars still in loans to Deutsche Bank. By the way, whenever the Fed raises rates, that costs Trump a ton of money. No wonder he hates Powell so much and the rates going up because it's costing more out of his pocket. And he owes a ton of money. So when you look at Deutsche Bank and it, uh, what was it? Mueller had requested information from Deutsche Bank. They, you know, they're fighting it. And then uh, there was the big thing with the Russian bank, VSB, I think it was VTB. That's the bank that allegedly was going to fund Trump Tower in Moscow. They got busted via the Panama Papers for pumping, t- washing $10 billion through Deutsche Bank in Germany. Mm-hmm. So it's very, very interesting if all the banks around the world were looking at Deutsche Bank saying, why would you loan to Trump? He's repeatedly screwed you. Right. Why do you keep giving him money? And it's interesting that in the background of Deutsche Bank is $10 billion that came in from a Russian FSB, their intelligence serv- one of their intelligence services, a Russian-controlled uh, FSB bank that 
laundered all this money there. And it just so happens that the bank where the Russians launder all this money is the only bank in the world that'll give Trump money. So was that something where the Russians were leaning on Deutsche Bank and getting Deutsche Bank and they were quietly, without Trump's knowledge, underwriting loans to him? I have no idea. But it all comes down to money with Donald Trump. It always has. And so when I look for trying to fit puzzle pieces together, I'm looking at, okay, what is this relationship? He won't criticize Putin. He won't criticize the Saudis over the Khashoggi thing. Why? What does Trump get out of taking this stance? Because he's getting beaten up in the press, and it is absolutely the wrong position from a foreign policy aspect to take. So even his advisors are telling him that. So what's the reason? Well, everything comes down to Trump. So if you look at it in that light, do I think he sat down with Putin and said to Putin, how do you help me win this election? I don't think that happened. Were his kids a little overzealous, thinking whatever we can do to help dad win? That may be where some of the problems lie. And I've seen one theory floated that maybe that's why Trump doesn't run again as part of a deal that Don nah. Jr. doesn't go to prison. Nah. But I don't know how you tear up yeah, some of these yeah, I don't. Yeah. I, I don't buy that one. Yeah, that, that sounds really far-fetched. You and I are actually in, in a remarkably similar place because one of the things that, that um, keeps coming back to me as we learn more about this narrative, and I've, I, when I interviewed Michael Isikoff a couple weeks ago and then Trump ended up using that interview for his own purposes, uh, tweeting about it three times and making... Inaccurately. Nas- I saw you trying to correct that. Right, yes. right. Well, cool. There's it's Trump, so of course. But, um, but, <laughs> but, but one, one of the analogies that I used with Michael was that if we use this, the analogy of a, of a romance, right, between Russia and Trump, it feels to me as if... Trump was way more eager than Russia was, and that I'm not sure Russia considered Trump to be of of a large enough stature to be taken seriously. And it feels to me as if there's an indication that, to use the the, the metaphor of a hookup, and, you know, collusion being a hookup, that uh, at different times, both Trump and Russia wanted there to be a hookup, uh, maybe more so on the Trump side than the Russian side, but that it never actually happened, that, you know, that, that, that all the stars never aligned for it ever to actually occur, which is why Trump, as we've already alluded to, has set the goalposts at collusion. Now, with Trump... Did, you want to yeah. comment on that first before I get to my next yeah, point? Yeah, no, I think, that's, I think that makes a lot of sense. I think the Moscow Tower, the deal in Russia was always kind of his great white whale. Right. And I wouldn't be surprised if we ever get this granular that uh, Putin knows something uh, about Trump and his business dealings. I agree with you. It's not, he's not hot enough for Putin. Whether, whether how Trump handled the project in Azerbaijan had some uh, unsavory things. But you've got to think, uh, an oily guy like Putin, you've got to be a pretty loud business person for Putin not to want to touch you. But Trump doesn't necessarily make money. He owes a ton of money, and he may have just been not worth it. And I, I, agree. I think the hookup analogy is very, very interesting, because I, I agree with you on the collusion. I don't think Trump sat down with him and tried to plan anything. Well, but see, we're in a position now, and this is, what's, this is what worries me and bothers me, about, uh, you know, and there's, there's these dozens of people on Twitter who have become semi-famous because every little... Uh, factoid, whether it's true or not, suddenly becomes part of this massive Trump-Russia conspiracy. And I, and, th- and I think this has created an expectation that inevitably is going to play into Trump's hands because anything short of, of a tape of Trump and, and Putin plotting this all right. out is going to be seen as some sort of vindication for Trump. And that, that, I think, is horrendous because it's 
already known that Trump has done horrific things that should end any other presidency. I mean, I, I am amazed that the Trump-Moscow story alone got no traction within, certainly within conservative ranks. I mean, this was, this is scandalous. He is, he's taking the Republican nomination while still trying to broker a deal that he's lying about with Vladimir Putin, which may have involved a major bribe to Putin and maybe the most, oh, just to fin- let me finish, the most amazing part of this is when explaining this, he said, I didn't expect to win, so therefore, yeah. therefore it was okay. So wait a minute. You took the Republican presidential nomination expecting to lose? What? Yeah. What? So there you, you're, you're now back to what I said of he didn't expect to win. He was trying to preserve his business going forward, and that still is his mindset. He knows he's not going to be in office for the rest of his life, so that still does that. But the flip side of what you just said, John, is what is our role in that? Meaning you and me, two right-of-center people who are concerned about limited government, about the Constitution, we have done such a terrible job on our side selling the ideas of responsible leadership, conservative government, we took for granted that people appreciated and saw the world the way we do. So what does it tell you about Trump's hardcore base, that no matter what he does, it does not end his presidency? What it tells me is, is that they feel that the Republican Party has absolutely let them down. Look at the evangelicals. They lost the culture war, and I I forget who wrote the article in the Daily Beast. I don't know if it was Eric Erickson, but somebody wrote the article that it wasn't enough that the evangelicals lost the culture war. The left was going house to house, photographer, wedding photographer by wedding photographer, cake baker by cake baker, and killing all the survivors. So, of course, when Trump came along and said, I'm going to fight for you, they said, we're going to back this guy because this is our last hope. So we bear a lot of responsibility, those of us who are articulate and have platforms right of center, for not being better salesmen of the ideas that made this country great. Because Mm. a shuckster, snake oil salesman like Trump can come in and win all these people because we did a crappy job. You know, that's that's interesting. Uh, There's probably something to that. I I think I'm more in in the boat that the loyalty to Trump is far more about the cult members themselves than it is about Trump. And what I mean by that is that they are all now so invested in uh, in his not being perceived as a disaster, because if he is a disaster, it's on them. And it makes them feel badly about themselves. And let's be clear, it is a very rare individual that will voluntarily come to an opinion that makes them feel badly about themselves. No one wants to do that. It's why they hate you and me more than they hate the Democrats. Well, so I'm a, I'm a greater threat to what they yeah. believe in because I will criticize Trump well, when he does things I disagree with. And that's why and Romney. Somehow, that's why Romney got the criticism that he did. I mean, he exactly. Romney Rom, Romney needs to be the asshole because if he's not the asshole, guess who is the asshole? Uh, you are. I'm the asshole. So not me, but meaning the the cult member. And so I didn't I didn't want Hillary to win. But that then becomes the default argument. Oh, you would have rather had Hillary. You would have rather had. Frankly, I got to tell you, I would have rather had Hillary at this point. I would have. And not because I I mean, I I, my first documentary film was an anti Clinton Hillary film. So, I mean, my 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 bona fides on this are as good as anybody. Uh, I I can't stand her. But I, I really think the Republican Party and conservatism would be in far, far, far better shape 
in five or ten years from now if Hillary had won than if then Trump had won because I think we're we're headed for total destruction and uh, and I don't know exactly what that's going to look like and how it's going to all transpire but I, I I'm confident that we're going to be there but um, but anyway I, I I think it's important for us to not um, look there's always whenever there's a mystery there's always a myriad of explanations for what has contributed to something that doesn't make sense. And so you're probably partially right. I might be partially right. But I, I do think it's it's at this point, I am not willing to give the cult members any benefit of the doubt uh, because they, they are invested. They are you know, the analogy. The best analogy I've used is that you may not have heard about this case, but it was pretty prominent. There was a case in uh, just outside of Atlanta where a, a dad was convicted of killing his son by leaving him in a car uh, in yep. the middle of summer. And, and the wife, the wife uh, divorced the guy because it turned out that he was uh, spending that whole day sexting with dozens of people, including men. Well, um, and so she was willing to divorce him and realize that he's a cad. But at his trial, she testified on his behalf and did not believe that he actually uh, killed their son, even though he was eventually uh, convicted of doing this. And the reason why this is, I think, an important analogy is the wife, who, by the way, is no dummy, is the Trump cult member because they are so invested. Because if 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 Trump is who you and I say he is, then they killed their own baby. All right. They, they, they had their own baby killed because of what they did, because they didn't see what we told them. And so, so, what, so, so she's where invested. Go? Where did they go after this, John? That's what I'm wondering. These people who have never, they're doing exactly what they complained the, left, uh, the lefty media did for Obama, which was never criticize Obama, always fall in behind him, always explain away things. Where do these guys go to work? Where do these men and women that have been so vociferous for Trump and never willing oh, to criticize No, no, him, here's the narrative. Is it, it kind of like no, no. the Vichy Republic? The, uh, no, no, Brad, no, Brad, 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 no, 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 no. Here's what will happen. Uh, the, the narrative will be, no matter how badly this goes, that uh, that in in fighting for Trump, I showed my loyalty to the cause, that I was willing to do what it took when no one else, where these where these wimpy never Trump Republicans who didn't have the courage to stand Summer up soldiers. to the left. That, no, I'm telling you, this will be the narrative, that I was willing to do what it took, even even holding my nose to, to, to work with, with and for uh, this horrendous human being. And, let, you know, let me tell you, he was horrible. But I, I showed my, my loyalty, my depth of passion, my willingness to fight, and therefore I should be trusted in the future. That's going to be the narrative for these people. And you know what? It will work because... The audience is going to be in the same boat. Yeah, Eight, that's true. 80% or more of the audience, meaning the conservative base, is going to want a narrative that makes them feel better about themselves for having done the same fucking thing. So <laughs> so this is there, there is not going to be a moment when uh, people like you and I are are vindicated or made whole or whatever, I mean, people people like me, you know me who've, who've had their careers destroyed in part because of this, uh, that's not going to happen because it's not in anyone's interest for it to happen. All right, so let's just be clear about that. All right, now in, in the remaining moments we have, 
I just I want to go back to the to Russian thing one more time because you know so you know using your your experience as a as a thriller novelist. So what do you what do you think is the the worst plausible scenario here that makes that makes sense? I mean, what do you make of the idea that Trump is effectively a Russian pawn? And that he is blackmailed, and that he is consciously doing this because he doesn't want uh, to be destroyed by whatever Russia has on him. What do you make of that theory? Yeah, I, I think that's I think that's possible because all the lies that have been uncovered have been un- not all of them. They're the Stormy Daniels and Carrick McDougal payments don't have anything to do with Russia, and he lied about those. So we know that he lies, and I love saying this on Twitter because people go, oh, a politician who lies. It's like, no, this guy is yeah. a congenital liar, yes. but he lies to protect Correct. his butt. Now, is he an accessory after the fact in something like the Trump Tower meeting where he helped dictate the, the press release that was all about mm-hmm. adoption? Did he do that to cover his, you know, his kids and the other people that were there? Did he realize, wow, this is bad for us? This is what we're going to put out there? Is he going to get in trouble for that? Uh, yeah, is there some crazy bit of compromise that the Russians have on him? I don't think so. I don't think so, because Trump also had a reputation for telling his people to be very careful not to do anything that would compromise them when they go to Russia. There was that thing of saying, listen, all your phone calls are listened to and all this kind of stuff. So I, 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 but I you don't, don't, we don't, by the way, hold on, we don't know that. We don't, that could have been after the fact, too. That that sounds to me is it's just as, unless you know something I don't know. That sounds just as plausibly Trump realizing he'd fucked up because he hadn't been that careful. Uh, but but because he you know he's invested in the idea that he's super smart that he brags about how he was super careful. You see what I'm saying? I mean that that sounds yeah, like that's, yeah that's a that's a good way to kind of muddy the waters and to try to make it look like yeah that we wouldn't have done that. Agreed. I, I will I will absolutely cede that to you. Uh, listen, Trump took Trump. Took Took uh, took the Crimean Peninsula. It, it, nothing happened. Uh, I, I have very big concerns about other parts you mean of Ukraine. Putin. You mean Putin? Uh, it, it, you mean Putin? And, uh, I'm sorry, not Trump. Uh, Putin. Yes. So Freudian slip. Right. <laughs> So, but you know, Trump is not standing up to him and doing these things. Every time I look, I don't see decisions being made by Trump that are anything else other than his own self-interest. So, yes, he did. We did arm the Ukrainians with some more offensive uh, hardware. That did happen, but you had to drag Trump kicking and screaming there. So I don't see him taking stands for liberty and freedom around the world with the Saudis, uh, particularly with what's going on in Yemen, all of these other things. It seems like whatever dictator is out there, they are having it is they are making hay when the, while the sun shines because they're not afraid of this guy, particularly if Trump's got business with them. So uh, is anything is possible. This timeline, this story we are living right now is absolutely insane. And the fact that all of these scandals pop up that would have destroyed previous presidencies and don't this one. I'm kind of out of the prediction business because just when I think I've seen it all, John, something else pops up. Right. Like you talked about the Michael Cohen stuff, admitting the Trump Tower uh, Moscow project, even down to they had a letter of intent signed. And right. he vociferously denied that. Yeah. That alone should be re- – he withheld information so that he could win the presidential right. election. That, right. to me, is election interference, and right. that didn't even have the Russians' hand in it. That well, was Trump making those decisions. In the, in the big picture, and because I'm – you know. I'm a, I'm a fact guy, but I also like to look at the big picture from a psychological perspective. The, the, the three things that, to me, um, you know, I, I need an answer to uh, that will determine what really happened here are, as you've already alluded to, why all the lies by so many people about Russia, uh, 
why Trump has set the goalposts firmly at collusion, and why has he been so incredibly soft on Putin personally as well as Russia, mostly from a policy perspective, when you would expect, right, the, the normal human being, if they were being accused of collusion with Russia, would go out of their way to at least appear to be yeah, tough, tough on him. Tough, but he hasn't done that. Now, now that no. to me, by the way, is consistent theoretically with an innocent man. Because, but, but then you can't necessarily determine that with Trump because he's so outside the norm in his psychology that he he could be that audacious that he could be guilty and still go super soft, or maybe he's he's blackmailed to an incredible degree. The, as far as the lies are concerned, I think that's a huge issue. Why, why all the lies about something that is uh, cool and legal, as Trump says? Well, why? Yeah. Um, I, I do, but I do, I, I think there's a potential explanation for that. And that is, well, it, it, the, let me just give you the explanation. The, the potential, underlying potential explanation is, that everybody within Team Trump knows that Trump's election is his baby, his his golden child, his ultimate achievement of his life, and that anything that would put any kind of an asterisk on this is going to piss him off beyond comprehension. And so even though there wasn't an actual hookup, there was enough evidence of an attempted affair that put, would could put a theoretical asterisk on this victory that people around him started lying about it. Does that make sense to you? Yeah, I, I guess. Listen, I'm not ruling anything out. The one, the one piece of the puzzle that you and I did not talk about was Jared Kushner trying to set up a back channel at yeah. the, uh, the Russian embassy in D.C. so that they could have secure communications with Moscow without the uh, NSA being able to listen in on those calls. So you have to wonder what kind of relationship existed that as soon as Trump was going to be in office, uh, they, were, they were trying to get a private thing that U.S. intelligence couldn't listen to. You don't do that unless there's something you have to discuss that you don't want being overheard that way. So that, that to me, mm-hmm. is, very, is very troubling. Mm-hmm. That, that's one part of this that a lot of people have forgotten in all of this, and it just it, it points, it points to guilt. Innocent people don't try to hide. No, I understand. To me, if there, was one, a good if there was one thing I'd like to know, I mean, there's, there's a hundred things I'd like to know in this, but if there was one thing I'd like to know, it's, it's, base, it's very simple. Is Trump claiming no collusion on a daily basis because he knows there was no collusion or as he is often wont to do the thing he screams about most is the thing he's lying about most uh, it, and, and and it, i don't know which that is i think it could go either way but I, I i well and he constantly says this didn't happen this didn't happen this didn't happen and then when he gets caught he says well it happened and it wasn't illegal it right. wasn't a big deal you know he'll right. change the definition right. so right. and listen this is not never trump stuff. I mean, this guy is a bad a guy of bad moral character. He's not a good deal maker. All this is this is not a great leader for our country. Mm. And everything you and I have talked about is stuff that's actually fact that's out there. We're not, you know, we're not impugning certain motives that we know nothing about. I mean, we're trying to get to the bottom of what this is all and mm-hmm. what this all adds up to. But his behavior, this guy I was saying to my wife this morning, this is the only guy that not only shoots himself in the foot, but empties the gun and then reloads 
explodes and goes back in. Yeah. It is amazing how much damage. If he just get off Twitter, his numbers would shoot mm. through the roof. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. I don't know. I. I With the I, economy I, as strong I, as it is. Yeah, I don't think they you know, well, they tanked. So I mean, I, I'm not, and I'm not sure how long, much longer the. This great economy is is, is going to last. But uh, look, look I, you've been very generous with your time. I, I do want to ask you, uh, you know, since I've mentioned numerous times that you are a very well known and successful uh, 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 thriller novelist, why don't you tell us about your your most recent book, Spy Master, and what you have coming up next? Uh, so, Spy Master, gosh, I think it was six weeks on the New York Times bestseller list. Came out this summer. It's my most current book. You can read my books in any order. You don't need to start with book number one. Uh, but Spy Master had to do with a fictional president that uh, did not want to defend a NATO country if it got drawn into war with Russia. So they drop a very interesting plan to try to head off what looks like a Russian attempt uh, in Europe. And it's a, it was a really neat kind of plot that I'd heard some friends of mine in D.C. and the intelligence world talk about. And I took that and ran with it for that book. And then. Uh, my new book will be out this summer in June. That's called Backlash, and uh, that is still 100% under wraps. Uh, very, very quiet about that one because uh, I don't need James Patterson, you know, sneaking up behind me and trying to steal it. <laughs> Fair enough. And I joke all that James Patterson is one of the nicest people you'll ever meet. I always make that joke and say, you know, uh, people ask me questions about the next book at a book signing, and I'll say, you can go tell James Patterson. I'm not giving out that information, and they always chuckle in the crowd. He's a good guy. Fair enough. And where, where do people find out more about you, Brad? So uh, Brad Thor, B-R-A-D-T-H-O-R.com. You can get to my Facebook from there, my Twitter, where you and I often interact and see each other. Uh, and it's, it's got all my books and a bunch of information about each one and you know appearances on TV and all that kind of great stuff is all right there. All right. Uh, thanks so much for your time, Brad. Let's keep in touch. And can you hold on the line for just a second? Sure. All right. That, that's uh, Brad Thor. Uh, check out his books. The most recent one is uh, Spy Master. Uh, thanks so much for listening to this hour of the podcast. Make sure you check out hour number one as well for our news review. And as always, I ask only two things of you. Please share this via social media, Twitter, Facebook, word of mouth, what have you. And number two, if you're one of those people who sleeps and when you sleep, you use sheets, do yourself a favor and listen to this important message. My name is John Ziegler. Our website is freespeechbroadcasting.com. Coffee? Oh, thanks. How did you sleep? Ugh, like a baby. I don't want to get out of bed. Ever. These sheets are mm, incredibly soft. What did you say they're called again? Performance bedding by Sheiks. <laughs> performance bedding? <laughs> yeah. They're made from super high-tech performance fabric. They're incredibly breathable, so you're not waking up at night throwing covers off and then an hour later throwing them back on. Huh. No wonder I slept so good. Since I started using Sheiks, I sleep like a baby. No more sweaty nights for me. No? Well. <laughs> well, I like them because they're soft. They feel like, mm, silk. Performance fabric, huh? Maybe we should, oh, I don't know. Try them out again. <laughs> <laughs> Comfort and performance for better sleep. That's Sheiks. S-H-E-E-X. Sheiks. Try Sheiks for 30 nights risk-free. Go to sleepcoolnow.com. Use promo code 1212 and get $40 off any sheet set. That's sleepcoolnow.com, promo code 1212. Sleepcoolnow.com, one, two, one, two.